<laughs> it is recording. So, ladies and gentlemen, it is an honor to have all of you with me. This started as a crazy challenge about three weeks ago when uh, I was just depressed. I was confined home and left with nothing to do. Uh, I started reaching out um, to different members of our community, just try to look forward to how can we do in pause and how can we just try to improve our, uh, our industry while we were forced into uh, exile, let's say. And um, three weeks later, here we are uh, with solutions. And the first of the solutions present today is teledentistry. We have people from United States, from Canada, from France, um, and we've been refusing people because I cannot have more panelists, but there were people from Mexico who wanted to join. Um, thank you so much for all the introduction, Dr. Wallet. <laughs> you. You've been the glue to this group. Um, if you allow me, I have a few surprises for you today. So there's an opening. And Dr. Paul and Dr. Eric, you will be thrilled because there's some big surprise by the end of this uh, seminar for, for, for both of you. So uh, it's a way to keep you awake <laughs> while we're doing this. Uh, I'll be sharing my screen now. So I'm still trying to get through the fact that I have to host and to IT this thing at once, but I did have, uh, I did prepare something that I think you will all appreciate. This Friday, we'll be having the honor to host our first international summit. One that's gonna relaunch our industry, one that's gonna look into the future. Two weeks ago, we promised you solutions. This is the first one, teledentistry. A new way to connect with our patient, a way for us to resume our responsibility and duties, one pause, and a way to keep the industry safer for the future. We're gonna be a panel of people, leaders from the world, and different countries coming together. From the United States, Dr. Paul Wallet, who has been recognized as one of the top 100 dentists in the world. Also from the United States, a man who led the digitalization of orthodontics, Dr. Robert Ball. We can surely learn from his experience to lead the leap in the future. Also from the United States, a thinker ahead of his time, Dr. Paul Dominic. From Canada, a community leader, Dr. Eric Lacoste. Also joining us from France, Monsieur Le Maire et Chirurgien Dentiste, Philippe Faux, who's going to be sharing with us a vision from abroad. They too have the same problem, but they have different perspectives. Also joining with us, people with real solutions. We'll bring on the table the co founder of Intelligentis, Dr. Maya Kurtzstader. Also joining us, Howard Rees, CEO and founder of The Teledentist, which is an online service for the public to reach dentists wherever they are in the United States. We also have a version where you can reach your own dentist. Together, we'll be leading the charge to a better future, to solution and safer ways to practice dentistry. 
This is an international crisis. The dentists throughout the world have said that this will be a crisis that will change dentistry forever. Join us for the first International Dental Summit, Friday, April 17. We'll be starting to look into the future. Look ahead, and together we will prevail. I'm Dr. Back. Welcome to the office. So here it is. Very nice. It was my way to introduce you, and it was easier for me that way. <laughs> um, welcome, welcome to all of you. And we have uh, 50 attendees at this stage. Please write to me or wave me if you have questions. I would like to start uh, introducing the subject of the dentistry with the first person I spoke with who brought that on the table, Dr. Wallet. Um, yes, sir. Would you please open this panel telling us? Uh, why you talk about the industry and to you, what kind of, uh, of solution that can bring? Well, I don't know if I have the solutions, but I've been doing a lot of research. And my motivation is um, we have the Olette family of dentists. I have two sons that uh, followed their dad's footsteps, not right away, but they finally did. Um, one uh, actually studied out in University of Pacific. And um, his mentor happens to be on our panel, Dr. Bob Boyd. He helped us so much when. Uh, Jason was going through school. The other young man, uh, Jonathan, um, he went offshore in Colombia, uh, South America, and trained there. Came back, went to the University of Florida for a couple of years, and did an, a major implant residency in Alabama, where he learned how to do major procedures. So uh, things have really changed now because uh, probably one of the most dangerous professions in the world now is dentistry because of aerosol and uh, the um, sterilization techniques and so on that we're going to have to improve. Not that we weren't doing it right to begin with. Uh, we have a very high standard, all dentists have. We've always followed all the guidelines from our associations. And um, so now we just have to make some changes because there's some uh, germs out there that we might not be able to fight if we get exposed, um, the doctors, the team members and our patients. So I have been doing lots of research on ways of being able to safely deliver our service and gain the uh, um, support of the public. Uh, right now, everybody thinks we closed our offices because the dental office is dangerous. We're probably one of the safest places as far as the way we have conducted ourselves uh, in the past. It's just we're gonna have to add a little extra protection so we make everybody feel comfortable coming to us and also we, uh, protect ourselves and team members. But why teledentistry? This was, a, I, I remember one we have interviewed, that was the first thing you mentioned, is you were looking into teledentistry. And why is it that it's that the first thing that comes to your mind? Well, you know that we are manual workers, so we have to touch people in order to, to treat them. Well, I, I know we're a high-tech, high-touch service. And it's going to be tough. We can't do the touch as much uh, anymore. Uh, it'd be nice if we could virtually deliver our services, but uh, that's not possible. So um, now with this, uh, this new um, pandemic, it's actually an opportunity for us to all work together, all be on the same page, maybe not compete as much as we used to, uh, try to find solutions. And I know the other members of the panel um, are very qualified to tell us what they've been working on. Um, in 2010, we launched an um, application called Braces Health, 
It's on the iTunes store. And uh, we had a section there where a patient could contact the office, uh, send us a picture of their emergency. And I handled all those emergencies on an iPhone back in 2010. So that was a very rudimentary, um, you know, um, example of um, virtual dentistry. I didn't realize at the time that it's going to be so important now for us to um, you know, take that uh, small step and, uh, and make it into a solution that will help all of us. Thank you. And uh, since we're still in the introduction, um, you introduced me to one of your colleague and friend, Dr. Robert Boy. And um, Rutherford Boy was just welcoming um, the interview. And through this, I have to introduce Robert Boy the way that I know how to introduce him. Dr. Boy is one of the pioneers who led the digitalization of the orthodontics into the, the age that we know today. So um, I'll let Dr. Boy speak from his expertise. Dr. Boy. Well, thank you very much. I'm certainly honored to be here. My background is as an orthodontist, and I will focus my information today on how I see the future in teledentistry, but it really in the broad context of digital dentistry. I think that our profession has been moving in the direction of digital dentistry for quite a while, and I'm very fortunate that about 22 years ago, I became involved with the Align technology, which makes Invisalign, and that, of course, got me quite interested in the digital platform. And so over the years, I have been trying to focus on making orthodontic treatment easier for the patient, obviously more aesthetic and those sorts of things. But now for the future, the idea is what can we do? What, what kind of technological things in the digital platform can we adopt that will make us very efficient and make us better practitioners do a better job with our patients in the future. And what I see, of course, the big one is going to be remote monitoring of patients. And again, this is in the orthodontic uh, arena, but the idea that patients can use their camera to take a picture of where their teeth are and the fit of the aligner, and then that would be automatically read and then a report given to the doctor with very, very detailed information about how exactly the uh, teeth are, are tracking. Now, of course, beyond that, we've already had remote initial consultations where patients can check out their smile. Those tools are there. We can present the case to the patient. We can do the examination of the patient virtually. And so really what's happened is that I envision in the five to 10 year period ahead that an orthodontist will be able to treat twice as many patients, maybe more, and treat them better because of all of these digital tools that are becoming available now. So for me, it's a very bright future. And then of course the consequence from that is digital learning and uh, the virtual experience. That was that something in the background. Sorry, uh, I, I think the cost of education has gotten unbelievable, and now uh, I think what will happen in the future is that the, we can bring the cost down because we can do more virtual learning 
like we are today. I mean, this is just an example of what kind of things we're going to do in the future. So with that. <laughs> I think today we're going to target the teledentistry, but to bring the education costs down, I think we have to do a few more lives and interviews. <laughs> but thank we'll you get there. for the idea. <laughs> Oh, okay. So, so you know, we are close to six, uh, 70 people right now on the line. And I'm going to give the mic to uh, a friend I made online. Uh, it started just like this. And for three weeks now, we just finished a book together about this crisis. Uh, Dr. Lacos, you're speaking from Canada. And can you tell us to you, why is it that the dentistry is important? Oh, there's no sound, Doc. Have you turned this? Can you hear me now? Yes. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Um, well, obviously, part of our work cannot be done through teledentistry because we have a very hands-on profession, especially from the periodontal uh, standpoint, because I'm a periodontist. Uh, but I believe uh, in this context, it's still very important to be able to move forward in that direction. Uh, a lot of a lot of work that we do um, goes with digital dentistry, obviously, with the iTero impressions that we've been taking and some some of the techniques that we've been using that are uh, digitalized. And there's definitely a way that those techniques could be further pushed uh, to enhance communication with the patient uh, at a distance. So I I, I um, I believe that this is possible, uh, and, and, and I think that would allow us to uh, do a lot of, uh, you know, in, in do, those conditions, we'd still be uh, able to do a lot of work, especially on patient education, uh, treatment, plan, treatment plan presentation. And it also, if we push it a bit further, it can also become a, a good opportunity to have, uh, um, you know, like a lot of, take more time for one-on-one -on -one explanation, patient doctor, uh, to be able to uh, uh, develop more uh, the questions that they have in, in a setting that's a bit maybe a bit more relaxed than the in the office, uh, which which I think are are the upside of uh, teledentistry to this point. From from my perspective, that is. Thank you, Doctor Lacos. And um, if you allow me, I'm going to translate a little bit in French in front in French, pardon. Um, <laughs> We have with us uh, a dentist and mayor from France, Monsieur le Maire Faux. Bonjour. Merci d'être avec nous. Pour vous, il est en point de 7 heures ce soir. Et vous avez dû attendre la journée pour nous parler. Oui. J'aimerais revenir parce que chacun d'entre vous, je, on a passé une entrevue avant. Et puis, il y a quelque chose que je voulais vous amener sur la, la table, c'est que Beaucoup de gens ici parlaient que la, la dentistry avait changé et que les aérosols allaient changer nos conditions de travail. Et vous avez mentionné quelque chose de très intéressant. Vous avez dit que le président français avait mentionné, la, la, oui. la, son adresse à la nation, que les dentistes étaient très exposés. Aimez-vous juste revenir là-dessus pour, pour vous aussi, qu'est-ce que la télédentistry et comment ça peut servir? Alors, je vais parler en français et m'exprimer en français tranquillement. D'abord, je vous remercie de me recevoir, c'est très gentil à vous, et de pouvoir donner notre, notre vision de la vieille Europe, je dirais. Le, le président, quand le président français Emmanuel Macron a décidé le confinement, 
il, euh, il est passé à la, à la télévision et donc il a dit que des professions étaient exposées, exposées au virus et que la plus exposée était les chirurgiens dentistes. Voilà, c'est la seule fois de sa vie où on a entendu parler des chirurgiens dentistes. Donc, c'est une réalité. Actuellement, en France, tous les cabinets dentaires sont fermés, sauf un par département qui, chaque jour, assure les urgences. Voilà. Donc, la e-dentisterie est naturellement quelque chose d'incontournable. Pour l'avenir, ce sera quelque chose d'incontournable. En France, on n'y avait pas pensé avant. Mais maintenant, on se rend compte que beaucoup, beaucoup, beaucoup de choses pourront être, comment dire, traitées par, par, par la identisterie et par des contacts via des écrans. Voilà. Bon, ensuite, il y aura toujours le travail dans le, il y aura toujours le travail dans le, dans le cabinet dentaire, il y aura toujours l'aspect manuel des choses, mais c'est vrai que la identisterie permet de résoudre et permettra de résoudre beaucoup de problèmes de notre métier. Voilà. Merci, monsieur le maire. Uh, if you allow me to translate, what it, many what it said is the French president addressed the nation and for the first time a, a president was talking about dentists saying how exposed we are uh, to the COVID virus. And also uh, in France, they didn't think of uh, using e-dentistry or tele-dentistry as a tool. Um, so he's all ears to see what we have to, 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 offer, to offer and to, to propose. This being said, I would like to uh, pass on the mic to a thinker ahead of his time, uh, Dr. Paul Dominique. Is he still with us? Yes, I'm here. Can you? <laughs> <laughs> we had an interview. It was crazy. We went in all directions. But you saw this coming a long time ago, and you personally invest in the company of teledentistry. Would you like to give us your point of view and perspective? Well, I think right now we're at the tip of the iceberg of what teledentistry can promise. Um, we live in the age of big data, and it's time that big data and analytics and artificial intelligence come into dentistry. We basically need to digitize the mouth, and us as forward-thinking dentists, we need to drive it that way. Uh, We ultimately need to use teledentistry as a powerful tool in the prevention of dental disease. Um, I'm a pediatric dentist. I've been involved my whole career with large volume pediatric dental practices. So as a pediatric dentist, your first, the, the, the main disease that you're worried about is dental caries. And dental caries is ultimately, if you take a 22,000 bird's eye view of what dental caries is, it's about the plaque, it's about biofilm management and how we manage that biofilm. And that's why I think that teledentistry has its greatest promise. Um, I visited a, a, a clinic in Switzerland that has just revolutionized the way, uh, you know, of biofilm management. And I think that's, that's the future. I think ultimately we can use uh, teledentistry basically to do continual caries risk assessment and combine that with frequent hygiene visits as needed you know, individually for the patient. We can really put the brakes on dental caries. We could also bring what's existing caries is out there 
put the patients with the right providers, put the patients together with the right provider. Um, I think the current model of dentistry is broken. Um, in 2018, Steve Bilt, who is the CEO of Smile Brands, one of the largest DSOs in the United States, I saw him lecture last, uh, last fall, and he basically said that in 2018, less than half of the US population went to a dentist. And I, so there's a lot of people that the profession is, 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 not, is turning their box on. And I think that we really need to embrace this and we need to drive it in this direction. I mean, even for my, my periodontal friends there, you know, even we can do so much for periodontics uh, with forward thinking teledentistry. I mean, right now, um, I, where people have been developing a, a different way of measuring periodontal pockets, by using squid ink, having the patient rinse with that, and then using an app that's in development for measuring it digitally. Um, these are things that can all be done you know, outside. Again, the technology has to improve as time goes by, and I'm sure that will happen if we drive it this way, but these are things that we can, you know, we can do away from the office and really manage patient's disease um, as efficiently as possible. Thank you. Dr. Kustater, you are a co-founder of uh, the same company and uh, we'd like to, to add your perspective to this and also I have a question here. People are asking how to join Teledentist. Well, absolutely. Um, and I think from the beginning, and I talk with my hands, it's a good thing this is a video. Um, I think it's important to understand we've been doing teledentistry since the telephone was invented. You know, and, and again, it wasn't Alexander Graham Bell, it was an Italian in 1849 that invented a telephone. And once a dentist and a, and a person had a telephone and, and the person said, I have a toothache, that was tele-dentistry. You're using telecommunications to be able to take care of a patient. So we are now just adding the technologies and the technologies that uh, Dr. Boyd's introduced and, and everybody's talked about can be done as we advance you know, in our technology. Um, but what we do is we're able to now add video to that discussion with the patient about their toothache or what's going on. And as uh, Dr. Dominic mentioned, there are, you know, 39% of the population did, before COVID, life BC, as I call it, before COVID, did not see a dentist. And now we have almost 100% of the population that cannot access their dentist. And they are at home in panic mode where, you know, our, our uh, calls have increased um, exponentially because people are sitting at home afraid that their temporary crown came off and they can't get into their dentist and they've cracked a filling and, and all kinds of things that to the patient is an emergency and they are so appreciative to have a dentist that they can talk to that they can they do pull their cheek aside or they put their phone in their mouth and show what's going on in their mouth and they can get reassurance um, we actually have a chart developed for the patients so we can e-prescribe their antibiotics or whatever medications they might need we can do uh, online monitoring of, of dentists that have a, a liner therapy going on in their office. They can do a virtual monitoring and mail them their aligners from their office where the patient can't come in right now. So there's a lot that we can do by being able to see and talk to the patient. And I, we get so many God bless you's from patients because they're so grateful to have been able to speak to a dentist understand what's going on, get some palliative recommendations, and be able to, you know, hold them over until offices open back up again. And I think this is the new age where we now, you know, we were driven by market demand with all the population before COVID that did not get into a dentist. 
you know, we're not doing something right when half the population doesn't get seen by a dentist. So we can educate the patient. We talked to uh, the dental school today and he asked, will patients go willingly right back to the dental office? And like, Oh, no, they won't. But if we can talk to them in a non-threatening way, a non-viral way, and say, you know, tell them what, what they can expect, what precautions dentist offices are using, they'll feel less threatened when they do go into an office because right now they're terrified to go out even on an emergency basis to a dental office. So we, we have that bridge of being able to look just like I'm looking at you all and talk to a patient, reassure them, educate them on the status of their condition, how imminent it is, what needs to be done, triage them and help them understand what next steps are for them. And the patient then has a better understanding of what they can do when offices open again. Thank you, it's promising, it's very promising. Mr. Rees, Howard Rees, are you still with us? I'm here. Yes, I would like to, you're the CEO of Teledentist, but mainly at this stage is to talk about the technology and what's be behind it. There's a lot of people addressing on this panel the cost of dentistry and how, how affordable it can be. Do you think that this tool can bring down the cost of dentistry? I'm going to answer your question and uh, take the uh, chance to uh, expand a little bit on it. Um, in terms of how we are using the technology, we use a commercial telehealth platform that is being used by thousands of healthcare providers and having thousands, uh, tens of thousands of transactions a day. So we're riding on top of a commercial telehealth platform. One of the reasons we do that is because the platform is secure, HIPAA compliant, um, you know, you know, follows all the high-tech guidelines and you know in terms of you know additional technology and development what we do real well is dentistry we're not technologists so you know we we're, we're very happy to have a partner that's providing the technology so while i mention that i'm not the dentist in the group and i appreciate the opportunity you know, you know to be there you know with with, with all these great dentists I come from 30 years in telehealth, most of that time being spent in teleradiology. I see teledentistry as a subspecialty telehealth service, like teledermatology, telepsychology. Where I see this going is when we go into a facility, let's use an example of a long-term care facility there should be a single place in that facility that is offering telehealth service. And that can be for dentistry, that can be for mental health, that can be for wound care or just general health. So I see this as part of a larger ecosystem where teledentistry, and we all know how important oral health care is to overall health care, we're part of the solution. We're not a standalone solution. Um, the other place it was touched on by uh, Dr. Dominique, but you know, places where I see this going, you know, in terms of areas like um, you know, deep learning, you know, think about population health management to be able to do an exam, to be able to look at um, you know, electronic medical records 
maybe even to be part of a group that develops a home-based COVID test kit that somebody can administer at home. And again, when you're looking at administering this over a larger population, you can look at clusters, you can look at where, where things are improving and we're part of that picture. So that, that's where I see us going. But do you see the, the drop in the, the, the dental fees in the future, thanks to this technology? Maybe what you'll see is a separation. I mean, really what we're doing, I would say, is you know, largely a screening. And a, you know, an important service that we provide is to help a patient determine, you know, do I need to see a dentist? Do I need to see a dentist quickly? Do I need to go to an emergency room? So part of the drop in the fees and the reason why we're so attractive right now to the insurance companies, uh, note everybody, we're now going to be, we are now available to 16 million Cigna members. Um, but what the insurance companies want to do is to keep patients out of the emergency room. There's no reason why a patient with a dental problem should go to an emergency room. There's no dentist there. We can help them remotely keep them out of the emergency room, get them a prescription, get them into a dental home, and that will have a significant bend in the overall cost curve. Thank you. Um, you know that today the, the idea is wasn't to just endorse a company or another, but it's just to, to look into the technology and thank you so much for being open to be with us to answer our question. I'm gonna address all the dentists uh, on the panel. If we talk as dentists, what would it take for all of us to come in tomorrow and use the dentistry or what is it that uh, it's, it's kind of holding us back and say that eh, I don't trust this yet. So uh, I'm asking the question openly to everyone. If you, you want to jump in, Dr. Faux, la question c'est à ce point-ci, qu'est-ce qui ferait que vous serez prêt demain à ouvrir vos bureaux avec la télédentrie, cette technologie, ou qu'est-ce qui fait que vous hésitez? C'est des questions, je lance la question en l'air à tous les membres du, du panel. Um, doctors? Well, I don't, I'm not reluctant to uh, jump in. Uh, I just have to learn some more. I've been doing a little research on everybody that's out there uh, and um, going to their sites and seeing their workflows and uh, just trying to learn uh, how we can keep it simple. And, um, and also the, uh, the cost uh, to the dental practice. And uh, I think we really can see more people now uh, that uh, they don't have to actually come to us uh, uh, will be a gateway uh, and then a, a triage service. Uh, and then not everybody has to go to an emergency room. Not everybody has to go to a dentist. You know, they, we can um, monitor things like Dr. Dominique was talking about some programs that are done over in Europe that we can learn from. And uh, I'm all in. Thank you. Is everybody all in? I think that one, one of the very important uh, issue uh, is standardization and regulations. You know, uh, we have to figure out a way to get this done in a way that is very harmonized from, from one provider to another to make sure that, you know, uh, 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 there's an order to it and, and, and that we're well respect, 
you know, our standard of care through, through this procedure. I think that's, that's really what's missing because at this point the technology is available and there's many things that can be done and that could be very implemented very quickly. Thank you. The other day when yourself and when we spoke, you know, I, I told you have this professional in dentistry, the hygienist, and you know, we basically have a Ferrari and we're driving it like a Fiat. You know, we they're, they're completely underutilized. You promised me not to take this one on the screen. <laughs> you know, Just um, and, and there's a lot more of them than there are of us. And I think the merging of the, 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 the tele-dental platform with hygienists using tele-dentistry as, as a way of managing biofilm and doing continual caries risk assessment I mean, down the road, we may even see these peripheral devices in the homes of people. I mean, we already have this device that allows us to uh, uh, carry view, that allows us to use infrared technology as a you know adjunct to X-rays. Um, I know some guys at MIT are really working on improving that, but um, it's it's not too hard to see that in the future that we will have these devices from you know in you know in some form where patients can have them in their living rooms and we can basically use the teledental platform to basically you know, through frequent examination to really put the brakes on dental disease and I think we really need to be that forward in our thinking to drive it this way because there's just too many people being left behind by the profession you know you and I we spoke um, the other day, and I told you that there was some border town in Texas where between, I believe, it's 6.30 and 11 o'clock, there's a lot of traffic going into Mexico from the United States. And the majority of that traffic is people going to get cheap dental care in Mexico. Um, so I really envision the future of tele-dentistry is basically to raise a generation of, of subscribers to, 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 to our platform that basically will never you know, have to deal with a cavity, but this has to be done in conjunction with frequent hygiene visits that are individualized and we have to change the paradigm. We have to change the narrative in the dental profession, which ultimately you know, involves you know, legislative issues that have to be addressed. Um, but this is a future. This is basically expanding our profession to everyone. Well, uh, can I mention something? This is Bob sure. Boyd. Um, I talked about how technology is moving ahead very quickly and providing us the tools to do teledentistry. The other thing is that my generation we wanted to see the doctor. We wanted to sit down and look eyeball to eyeball and say, what do you think doc? And look at their body motions and so forth and so on and feel this live experience. If you talk to millennials, but even more important, if you look at the next generation after millennials, they will tell you, well, a virtual experience, if it's done right, is better than the live one. So, in other words, on top of everything that we're saying, there's also the mood of the public that, that people say, you know, instead of getting all dressed and going to the doctor today, I would sooner turn on my computer 
and have a tele-experience with the doctor today. And so, so I think that's going to play a big part of this, is that our patients are going to savor it, they're going to like it, they're going to want more of it, and that's going to drive the whole thing. And of course, as is brought out, it's also going to have a big cost containment factor. And, and, and I've already made the point that education is based on experiences, right? So if you can monitor more patients in your training, you will get more experiences and spend less time on technical things like carving teeth and making porcelain crowns and so forth. And then you'll be able to focus on experience and that will give you a better education, but it'll also potentially keep the cost of education down. I, you made a really good point that we're, we're comparing when we talk to dentists about you know, integrating teledentistry into their practice and, and very good point. I now I'm saying, well, so did you buy a CEREC machine? Have you, you know, what was your first CEREC crown perfect? And they all go, well, no. And I said, so you know, it is, there is a learning curve to learning how to communicate with patients virtually. There's a learning curve to, you know, using teledentistry, just like there was to using your CEREC or your Invisalign or your iTeros. There's a learning curve to all this technology. But if we all open our, you know, open our minds up to the possibilities of keeping people, keeping chair time for product, for revenue generating patients, and not having that patient come in and spend a half hour because the staff brings them in to sit in the chair and use all the disposables, have to have the chair sterilized, and then get that temporary crown reglued by a staff member and out the door. When you know a virtual consult with staff member even could talk to that patient about how to temporarily put that temp, you know, that back on again. Stay home, don't drive, don't you know, and put a a revenue generating patient in the chair. So you're opening up chair time by keeping all those appointments that can be addressed on a virtual consult at home. Patients love it. Uh, one of our guys said, if I can talk to my, um, I think it was his UPS guy on, on, on my phone is at my door and I can have a virtual consult with my UPS guy. Why can't I have a virtual consult with my dentist? So I think it's just technology of understanding. We have a learning curve to everything, but just be open to trying, working, and and expanding expanding your uh, office to a new new technology. Dr. Fou, vous êtes le seul qui s'est pas prononcé. Est-ce que vous aimez euh, vous prononcer? Ah oui, non. La, la la télédentisterie est quelque chose qui va qui va être incontournable, au même titre que la télémédecine. Ce sera une, une corde supplémentaire à l'arc du dentiste. On ne s'en était pas trop rendu compte jusqu'à jusqu cette crise du Covid. Mais maintenant, on se rend bien compte que, que c'est quelque chose qui serait très précieux. Et nous, chez nous, je pense que c'est quelque chose, quand ça sera technologiquement mis en place, que, que nous installerons dans notre cabinet. La télémédecine en France est en pleine évolution, est en plein développement avec une volonté importante de l'État, de l'État français. Et je pense que la télédentisterie prendra le même chemin juste après. Voilà. Merci. Is anybody else would like to add on this subject? Uh, yes. Um... I just answered one of the questions. Someone was inquiring, how are we going to uh, 
uh, probe somebody uh, virtually, um, you know, measure a pocket depth or whatever. So I basically put a short answer uh, with the young tech savvy uh, Perio residents that we have now. Someone's going to invent a, a, invent a Bluetooth device like the Florida probe that uh, will come with instructions and you'll just do your own self exam and the uh, measurements would automatically be charted if they follow the protocol. So somebody needs to invent that. Well, well Paul, actually it's being developed in a different way at the University of California in San Diego. And what they're developing is this, it's a squid ink that you rinse with. Mm -hmm. The ink goes into the pockets by capillary action. It's drawn into the pockets by capillary action. Squid ink has melanin in it. And melanin then can absorb light from a laser or some light source. And then that is basically that how, how it when it absorbs, it releases a signal that can ultimately be translated and electronically to be read. So you don't even think into the pocket anymore. So again, it sounds science fiction, but it's becoming reality. It's, awesome. It's, yeah. And then it, CBCT, if the dosage could be low enough, mm -hmm. can also pick up great and also plaque and yeah. remember uh, at the uh, in the old days none of you are old enough uh, uh, to remember where we used to go to a shoe store and stick our foot in a little x-ray machine you know to yeah. see our toes and wiggle our toes well they may have you know uh, things like this in malls where you can go in and uh, you know go have a scan done and just you know, just a very minimal exposure and the data will be there because of the technology that uh, translates the, uh, the that data, uh, so that that might be another way in the future as well. Um, let me jump in also just to two quick things. Bach, you asked um, uh, Dr. Kunstad early on, how does somebody become a teledentist? Please go to our website www.theteledentists.com and uh, you know contact us. We're uh, you know, happy to talk to you. But I want to mention two things on education. Um, there are certainly university-based telehealth programs that are focused on rural areas. We would love to include education as part of teaching young children simple things about, you know, how do you brush your teeth and the fact that, yes, you do got to brush you know, a baby's teeth, and this is how you do that, and you, you know, start them on oral health at a young age. At the other end of the spectrum, you know, in a nursing home, teaching people how to brush teeth of the residents there, tremendous uh, benefit for, you know, present, preventing um, additional disease, just starting with good oral hygiene. And the other point on education, we have spoken with a couple of dental schools, we would love to see teledentistry become part of the dental school curriculum. And we would be more than willing to, you know, either deliver lectures or visit or help any of the dental schools that are working with the next generation of dentists where this will be part of their practice. Yeah, one, one other thing, I, I have to get a quick thing in about technology. We've been working for a long time on getting a model developed, and other people have too, which would combine a cone beam, 3D image of the skull, with merging of the intraoral scan. We've got lots of data that shows that the, this is a very accurate model. 
And then you can take a, an I-11, for example, make a 3D movie, and you can overlay that on the, the soft tissue that's colorless on the cone beam to give it a color face. You can even have it talking. So we call this the virtual patient. And this model is, is about to go. I mean, we now have prototypes of this. And, and so when you want to make a diagnosis, if you're interested in looking at patients that's going to have an implant, orthodontics, you can combine this. You don't need to take intraoral photographs anymore. Look at what that saves. Mm. Scanning times have gone down to a minute or less. And of course, they can be done by an auxiliary. So you can have literally a virtual patient in this exam. I, I, I want to make sure everybody understands that the technology is such that we can recreate a living human being right next to us with tools like that. And that, of course, allows us to do internal and external diagnosis. We can look at the face and the aesthetics, but we can focus right on in to see the internal components. And so, so there's just all kinds of things coming. And of course, with 5G, we're going to be able to make measurements, transfer them through the cloud, right back to use data. So, so this, in a few years, you'll do your my world, teleradiology and teledentistry. Certainly know a, a whole bunch of really good radiologists that would love to um, participate in that. And just a quick note also on the uh, medical imaging, and again, this is gonna be post-corona, uh, but another service we have is the ability to provide a dental second opinion for a patient that has received just x-rays and you know has been given a diagnosis or a treatment plan and wants to have an independent third party review that, that's certainly part of our vision of teledental. Absolutely, the record. By the way, my daughter's a radiologist, interventional radiologist. And uh, so this, this is going to be fun. I mean, the big message today is that everything we're talking about is going to ask to do in the future. Patients will manage. Still have an interventional radiology remote on the will happen. There was a question about uh, the economic of teledentistry. Um, is it going to be done? Uh, Dr. Wynn just asked that. Is the cost going to come down? Uh, this technology is going to be affordable. Anybody? So well, are, you, are you asking, will the cost of teledentistry come down? I think Dr. Bach was wondering if the cost of dentistry well, no, would come no, down. No, the teledentistry make the cost come down so that now 100% of the population can afford us. Well, we actually took the step when COVID hit to reduce our uh, direct consumer pricing so that we are, we are optimizing uh, the growth of, the, of our industry, but not profiteering strictly because of what's going on. So we did reduce our cost to direct consumer for our consults. But yes, you know, it's all about volume. As, we, as, as Howard said, we, we have just uh, become partner with 
Cigna Health, and we're talking about 16 million people. So as we go to volume sizes of, of populations that we can serve, certainly the technology can bring the costs down, yes. Uh, the thing that's important is, you know, before COVID and before all the, is to know that you can't use your, you know, your FaceTime, you can't use Facebook because it's not HIPAA compliant. And then after COVID, we're going to go back to the regulations, as I think Dr. LaCrosse was talking about, is making sure we are all compliant with the regulations. And we want to be HIPAA compliant. We want to protect the patient's privacy. So um, that does take a platform of, uh, you know, telemedicine kind of platform rather than just, you know, talking to them and taking a picture and sending it. Because, again, you want that patient's information to be privately held. So I'm sure, as with every technology, costs will be coming down. Look at the, you know, and again, someone talked about the x-rays of feet, but look at what computers used to cost us. And now you can have everything on a cell phone and, and the costs are coming down all the time. So I definitely believe the cost of teledentistry and, and ours is a web base. So you don't even have to have equipment or a different computer. Mm -hmm. You can put this on your own existing equipment. So we are all modifying and growing as the industry is growing, which it just started growing really rapidly in the past four weeks. Mm -hmm. Well, Let me address another cost issue, and uh, uh, please make sure we look at the questions that have come in from the um, panelists, but you know, or the participants. But one of them was asking about insurance. Um, there are several very important things that have happened literally within the last month. One of the most important of those is that the insurers are now reimbursing teledentistry, and there are codes. Um, specifically to do that. Um, another thing that has changed, and this also may be temporary, but um, you know, up until a month ago, uh, we, uh, we were restricted that you know, the state in which the patient presents, we had to have a licensed dentist in that state um, work with that patient. We still are following that model, but the uh, cross border state licensing laws have been relaxed and that's certainly a uh, you know a benefit um, again we expect that that will not necessarily stay in place um, after the crisis um, uh, the other one to keep an eye on and we haven't uh, jumped on this ourselves but no telehealth company was allowed to prescribe a controlled substance. That rule has been relaxed. The teledentists are still not prescribing controlled substances. But again, you know, just in terms of looking at what's happening in the overall world of telehealth, uh, that's also something to, uh, you know, to keep an eye on. So everything has changed in the last 30 days. You know, we're running as fast as we can to uh, keep on top of this with the absolute first objective of delivering the proper care for the patients that are needing it. Um, I'm, I just have to jump in a little bit here because we're talking a lot about the future, but while this crisis is bringing us to what we have to do tomorrow or next week, where does telemedicine stand at this stage on, we have three countries here. Is it legal? Is it safe? And how can we start using it by tomorrow? Uh, I'd like to, to open the question to everyone, please. Well, right now there is what we call do-it-yourself uh, solutions that are based on virtual interactions at some level, uh, maybe not with a doctor, but patients 
young people today go to a computer and they search and they say, well, you know, my stomach hurts, so I'm not even going to do a virtual teledentistry thing. I'm going to do a do-it-yourself sort of thing, and I'm going to search this. And I think that's been a problem because that's yet another developing thing is the do-it-yourself market. And I think we have to be very vigilant and we have to be sure that we are complying with laws and that we're doing proper examination and treatment. So, so there's another adverse effect that we have to keep from becoming a problem, which is the do-it-yourself thing. Well, obviously, the elephant in the room is the Smile Direct Club. Exactly. I'll bring the elephant in the room out because it affects our our job as well. But it, you know, my, my goal is to get uh, state regulations to define teledentistry. It's not tooth movement and a DIY at home. It is you know our, ours is communicating with the patient just like you did with the telephone. Now we're adding a virtual you know a video communication. So you know yes some companies have taken this to the extreme and and made a bad name for what you know is now becoming the standard word for teledentistry and um, dental boards pucker sometimes when they hear it because they only think of that type of program instead of realizing that you're doing teledentistry when you're texting your patient and telling them what when their appointment is that's you know communication with tele, you know, telecommunications and emails and, you know, we're all, even uh, webinars is teledentistry because we're using, you know, telecommunication to do a dental education. So we are all doing teledentistry in our practices to our patients on many different levels. Um, and the, yes, the, the elephant in the room has caused some bad out, you know, names and, and uh, unregulated. And we do have to regulate patient care to the benefit of the patient and not just uh, the companies, yes. And Bob, let's also go back to your question of what can we do tomorrow? Um, one of the very big issues is awareness. People don't know that teledentistry exists. I mean, uh, you know, we're thrilled that this week 16 million people have been told, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, it's available through their dental insurance, but the uh, of over 300 million people uh, you know, usually the first question I get is teledentistry. How do you do that, uh, you know, without literally going into somebody's mouth? But it's also people just don't know that it's available. So, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're doing everything we can to uh, let people know, but we're doing it on a, uh, you know, with a very limited um, marketing budget. Uh, but this is a service that's out there. And, you know, I think, um, you know, it goes back to a... Uh, point that, you know, Dr. Ouellette made, you know, earlier, but once somebody has the experience of doing a teledental visit once, we absolutely believe that they will come back and that's going to be a factor, you know, even after the uh, crisis is over. Thank you, Howard. But just to be clear, right. could you tell me that in the United States today, this is something that people can access right now? Absolutely. How do we stand in Canada, Dr. Lacos? Is that something that exists right now in Canada? Well, it, it, we're, we're certainly behind uh, in terms of the United States or, or, or what I've been hearing so far in, in terms of that. But I, I, think, I think right now it, it's a great opportunity uh, to be in touch with our patients 
to communicate, uh, to be more accessible, and, and, and to basically slowly uh, learn the roots of how it could be in the future. Uh, we're not, we're certainly not ready uh, in the short term, at least, to start doing treatment or, or, or uh, until dentistry. I don't think so. Um, and and but but there's so many things that it could be used. And, and tomorrow morning, for example, uh, uh, you know, in our elderly home cares, um, they're a particularly highly vulnerable population uh, because of the COVID. And, and when we do need to take care of these people, traditionally, uh, elderly people have been underserved in dentistry period. So uh, if we can find a way very quickly to bring that service to them, through somebody who'd be responsible to do that for us in, in an elderly home care. Not only are we protecting them, but I but but we would provide them better access to them to a dental professional that they've actually uh, uh, you know been getting for for uh, for the most part it's because uh, not many not many dentists you know work in that field. So I think there's great opportunities and and they work. Uh, now. This has to be done again in a very orderly fashion. We can't just jump in uh, uh, into technology left, right, and center because at the very end, uh, uh, this is not a video game where we have to do this in a very cautious manner because we are treating patients and our liability uh, uh, goes with it. So, uh, but, I, but I do believe there's a nice, uh, uh, there, again, there's a great opportunity to do that and, and we, should get, we should benefit from it right now because uh, it's also everybody's slowed down everybody has more time to educate to communicate um, you have the opportunity if if you do more triage um, you can have patients who are aware of a condition and when we're going to return after covid or when uh, we're able to practice again you'll have more patients in your office instead of starting to zero if you have uh, uh, 10 15 patients or 100 patients that have been you know uh, that you had, had the chance to have a discussion with uh, about their condition and, and, and answer their question there. It's going to be a lot of worriness. You know, people are going to be worried about, uh, am I going to get, uh, what, what's my risk of getting uh, uh, COVID if I go to the dentist? Uh, we've been, like uh, Dr. Fo said, and in France, uh, known as one of the highest risk population due to aerosol. And we can't forget that. And people are going to think about these things uh, and they're going to be worried. So it's an opportunity to talk about the measures that we're going to be uh, implementing and, and the safety that we'll be able to ensure. And all these things could be done right away. Thank you. You're very polite. We had private the discussion in the back, but I'm going to take this opportunity to address Dr. Boy. You had experience to cut through a lot of red tapes, going from orthodontics to what we know today as the, the modern orthodontics. So Dr. Lacoste mentioned that there's a lot of population that are just underserved, just like the, uh, the elderly. Um, if I'm asking from your experience, how can we speed this up so we can be more affordable, most in price and also in availability, but there's a lot of red tapes here we're cutting. And in Canada, the technology, we have the same technology that you have. The reason why it's not there yet is maybe a, a problem of awareness, but also a problem of be, be, being open to embrace a new thing. So Dr. Boy, I, I like you to start, because you did that once. This is your past. Well, I think it's still happening. And if you look at the cost of orthodontic care in relation to uh, inflation and the cost of living and so forth, you'll find out, I mean, for instance, you know, when I was a kid, it cost $600 to, in the early 50s to get orthodontics. 
That is a lot of money today. And so today, because we have used auxiliaries, we have employed technology, we have brought in things like scanners and, and so forth, we're making our job much easier, but we're making it easier for the patient. And as a result of that, we're able to treat more patients. I was told when I was an orthodontic resident, if you treated more than 50 new patients a year, you couldn't be doing a good job. Now the average orthodontist treats 300 patients starting new uh, a year. But what I'm saying is that with these new tools and the things that are out there already, we're gonna see a dramatic increase. Now, what happens when you increase the population of people that are getting services, competition goes up, the price goes down. So we're gonna see a very steep leveling off of the cost. There may even be some reductions, but the real point is that in a five or 10 year period, you're gonna see that the line that it was taking, that there's a new line under that. And the new line under that is gonna be how costs have come down in a relative sense. That's gonna be uh, absolutely uh, the thing that's gonna drive this the most. It's gonna make more people want it. It's gonna increase the numbers of people that seek treatment because they're gonna say, hey, guess what? It, it doesn't cost as much and it's easier. I'd sooner do it that way. Thank you. Anyone else like to, to add on the subject? Well, it's all about accessibility. <clears throat> and when, uh, again, taking your picture, everybody does selfies all the time. It's just become second nature. The, uh, the, the telephone is the new healthcare tool of this decade, yes. without a doubt. You can do just about everything you need on your telephone for healthcare and dental dental uh, advice and care will come to that too but you know you can turn the phone on yourself and take selfies all the time and, and people are used to that technology so when they can talk to a dental specialist about what's going on avoid that you know cold sweats and walking into a dental office or you know talk to LA and they avoid a two two hour trip down the 605 back and forth to the to get their new aligners or to get something where they could have talked to somebody had it taken care of and moved on to their the next step in their day and saved all kinds of time and it will end up saving money for the patient and the doc, the office as well and then we can make more as dr boyd said you can see more patients because you'll be keeping the non-productive or the lower productive people on virtual consultations and putting the productive you know patients in the chair the new patient starts rather than the just monitoring a, a liner fit for the, for that. Now, ca California started uh, with the teledentistry model of the, the dental home in 2010, I think. Uh, and, and they basically, when we can get to where we can send our uh, hygienists out in the field, we can expand access to care tremendously. That isn't available in all states. That form industry is not available and very camera and a chair and be able to provide a satellite clinic in, in the community where people won't have access unless they come out to see them and take x-rays and say yes that child or that adult needs to come in for some fillings or put some you know fluoride varnish on that child and that or that adult and we'll see them in six months that is expanding dentistry using teledentistry and a dentist can sit in their office in out in the 
field and the patient care, when, when all states start accepting that form of teledentistry, then we will truly be able to increase access to, you know, and, and improving uh, our decay rate. Yeah, again, when countries, children going into kindergarten than we do in the United States because they have wonderful preventive care and they, you know, they mandate people get fluoride uh, rinses three times a year and it's required by their, their country to do this. And they're, you know, when they have better statistics than we do in the United States, I think we need to put some heads up and figure out how we can deliver better care to our population and teledentistry, you know, supervising an auxiliary staff out in the field is one way we can expand our care. Thank you, Dr. Mario. We have the chance today to have uh, somebody who has both hats, somebody who's working from the authorities' point of view and also he's a dentist. So, um, Dr. Fo, I'm addressing you and I'm going to repeat the question in French. Now that you, you kind of know what is possible, and if you want to apply this technology tomorrow in, front, in France, what do you think will stop you or what would you will need for, for this to just pick up and tutorize. Et Dr. Faux, j'aimerais savoir maintenant que vous avez euh, entendu ce qui existe et ce qui se fait sur le, sur le, le, le marché nord-américain. Qu'est-ce qui pourrait vous encourager à embrasser cette technologie, mais de, du point de vue d'un législateur, de quelqu'un qui, qui est derrière le pouvoir? Et si, bon, j'oserais vous le demander, qu'est-ce qui pourrait faire en sorte de vous aider à faire passer cette technologie plus rapidement? L'économie de la santé en France n'a rien à voir avec le continent nord-américain. Première des choses, c'est-à-dire que chez nous, c'est une volonté politique qui amènera la télédentisterie dans nos cabinets, comme la télémédecine est arrivée dans les cabinets médicaux. Donc, pour moi, ça ne fait pas de doute. La télédentisterie, doit faire partie de notre arsenal du futur et la crise du Covid nous, la, nous le montre tous les jours. Donc, euh, comment dire, pour répondre à votre question, euh, le pouvoir politique chez nous, donc euh, la sécurité sociale, ce qu'on appelle la sécurité sociale, qui rembourse quand même beaucoup de soins en France, va mettre en place petit à petit ce dispositif je le pense, et ensuite il y aura une adhésion importante des, des dentistes, d'autant plus que les personnes, les patients vont être remboursés. Donc c'est le pouvoir en fait nous, c'est la politique de santé du pays qui fait que nous adhérerons euh, à cette technologie qui pour moi est incontournable. Voilà. Thank you, doctor. So if you allow me to translate uh, what he's saying, it's, it's mainly uh, the will of the, the, the population. If this is something popular, the politician will just pick up on it and to apply it as uh, a solution. He thinks personally that this is a tool that has to be in the toolkit of dentists of the future. Now it's all depending on the kind of pressure the politician will have or the kind of openness they will have. Dr. Eric, I think you have a want to add something on this? No, I was going to say because the, the, their healthcare system is much more socialized than in North America. That's, that's the big difference that they have with us. But on this, I'd like to uh, take the opportunity to mention something. In France, people don't have to pay for the dental care. And mm. the last time I spoke with Dr. Fu, he was even worried about coming back in May and seeing if he can have just pick up where he left. 
not because of the patient will not be showing up because they don't have a job anymore, but because there's going to be so much regulation, no regulation that they, they cannot see as many patients at once. So he, he's care about the whole coming back, but that, that's another issue. And we're all thinking of that teledentistry should just help to, uh, to just ease the transition to a coming back and also to, to, to include more people in it. Um, before we start with the open question, is anybody else would like to add on this subject of affordability to, from the teledentistry? Let me add on the question of uh, you know, delivering service to France. Um, technically, we can take care of a French patient today. Um, we, uh, we, we've already been asked and we will be um, adding Spanish language services and that's going to be done with um, Spanish speaking dentists. We also have uh, companies that can provide a translation service. So we, we can, you know, through this technology, we, we, we can talk to a patient. We do not have access to pharmacies in France to be able to deliver a prescription and we don't have access to um, you know, dentists in France to get access to their schedules. And we are not, we have not yet studied international law to know if there's anything that would prohibit us from doing that. If there was a, um, you know, a patient today, literally from anywhere in the world, through the technology that we're using, uh, as long as we can uh, get that translated to a language that one of our dentists will understand, we can help provide relief. I get sick, so I, I honestly feel like last week kind of... Thank you, Mr. Reese. Oh, I'm gonna give now the mic to Dr. Neil Hinton. He's been there for a while. Uh, Dr. Neil, are you still with us? Dr. Neil? Dr. Neil Hilton? Can you hear me now? Yes, you have the mic. Thank you for your patience. Okay, thank you. Uh, I founded the Association of Retiring Dentists and uh, had uh, uh, Maria talk with us from the teledentist at our annual meeting a year and a half ago. And one of the resources that may be available for dentists to participate in this is those dentists who are in a transition from active clinical practice to retiring. And as they may, may give up a, uh, a, an office in which they were practicing dentistry, this can be an opportunity for them to be using their skills uh, at home and uh, providing a, a very valuable service. If we got all patients that all the people that should be getting access to dental care, you know, we're talking about 125 million people. Uh, Neil, thank you for that. If, you know, we need more dental providers, basically. We just simply can't get, we can expand the dental, you know, access to retiring people, disabled people, and all and dentists, and, and all, all sorts of dental people that aren't working full time at their profession but have the skills and the knowledge uh, in their heads and their and their minds to be able to help people so that, that's a, a great way of expanding the workforce of the dental profession thanks for saying that Neil I agree yeah if we can get more and more dentists uh, uh, expand the uh, 
uh, knowledge base and market it as opportunities. We're doing the best we can as a small organization of uh, retiring dentists. Uh, we're hoping to uh, expand the uh, awareness of dentists as recognizing this as an opportunity to aid in their transition from active clinical practice. So uh, any help that we can get to get that word out to dentists in this situation would be very useful. Yeah, again, I'll go back. I want to go back to Bob Boyd. I think we'll be able to monitor what's going on better with teledentistry because everything is recorded. And so it serves two purposes. You can go back and say, this patient is complaining, you know, they didn't get it right. And somebody can review the interaction. And, but more importantly, the student can review multiple situations at a pace that's comfortable for them. And what it does is it makes education more efficient because it's going along at the pace that's best for that particular person, depending on their language skills. So again, teledentistry in all forms is going to be a great teaching model. It's gonna facilitate teaching and it's gonna give us a way to go back and track and how do you how do you invent new things you have to study what happened and so if you have a record of what happened you're going to have a situation where from a clinical science point of view it's phenomenal what is possible to study because we finally actually have a recording of what happened dr boyd i, I love your model and your examples here's another paradigm, let's say we're potentially working with a third world country, and they may have very, very good general dentists, but they come up on a case that needs a specialist. Have a three-way conversation, let the specialist work with the patient, have the local dentist participate in that, and what a great learning tool for that local dentist to be able to tap into that expertise that's coming in from a specialist, so. Right, I, I agree completely. I'll, I'll throw one out that'll blow everybody away. What about Easter Island? You all know about Easter Island? Okay, that is an interesting situation because everything's been depleted on Easter Island. They don't have anything. You, it's not tropical enough water to have good fishing and the land has been depleted. So what are the people gonna do to live there? Other people, professional people, don't wanna go there to live there because it's so far away. So what you could do is set up a series of remote, and this is actually a friend of mine, uh, is actually leading an effort uh, towards trying to establish telemedicine, teledentistry, and all of these features in Easter Island so that you could bring it to them virtually because they can't go get it and so, so that'll be a nice little experiment to see when you say, well, how cost efficient is it? Well, okay, you, you have, again, you have an environment. As a clinical scientist, I think that would be a wonderful experiment to see how could you solve this immediate problem that the people in Easter Island don't get any dental or 
medical care to speak of because there aren't any doctors. I'll give you another one. Um, very current um, cruise ships. Everyone's been grounded, but the crew is still on most of the boats and they're still getting, they still have dental issues. One of the things that they have access to is high speed internet. What a great way to take care of, you know, the, uh, you know, the crew and the staff. And, you know, we're talking about thousands of, um, you know, you know, staff literally on cruise ships, access to high speed internet in need of medical care. Dr. Kutzleder, I have a question from Dr. Anna Lee. I will like, give the mic to Dr. Lee. Are you, are you with us, Dr. Lee? Dr. Lee? Yes, hello. You have the mic. Hi, um, I'm a dentist, uh, general dentist. I'm really interested in teledentistry and what it offers, but I think one of my concerns is how does um, how can we do it safely and what are the liability standpoints from the dentist's perspective? Um, because as um, doctor, um, as many of the doctors mentioned, there are like certain standards and protocols that we should follow, but how, you know, this is a whole new field. So how, how does that factor in and has, um, has teledentistry.com, have you guys encountered any liability problems with this? Great question. Well, we are the first national dental platform, teledental platform, and we were the first dental malpractice teledentistry policy ever written. So we went to uh, telehealth policy writers and said, we're teledentists. And they went, what? This is about four, four years ago. And then a, a company said, well, I guess we write it for telemedicine. Why can't we write it for teledentistry? So we, we actually, for, for teledentists that work with our company, they are covered by our teledentistry malpractice insurance. Your regular insurance in the U.S. won't cover you for that because they're they haven't gone that far. But um, so so when people are working under our platform, they are covered by our malpractice insurance for teledentistry. In your practice, Doctor Lee, what you're doing is communicating with your patients. Um, you know we can do that as well, set up so that you actually are providing teledentistry for your patients and and you are covered because you're you know, you're providing that care to your patients on a a video consult. So um, it's different when you're providing to an outside patient coming into our practices. Um, but in your own practice, you would be covered because, you know, you're, you're doing palliative care, just like, again, you're probably young, but just like when you talk to a patient on the phone and they, they said they had a toothache and you said, well, let me, you know, take two aspirin and call me in the morning type of thing. Um, right. You know, we are, we're still providing that care, but doing it with virtual consultations and just expanding that um, for our patients. But does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, that does. I had no idea that you guys had written your own malpractice insurance and that that would be required. Um, yeah, yes. So if anyone were to, so if anyone were to like set up their, um, set up a company such as yours, they would have to write their own told their well, own. We actually have an insurance company that provides medical malpractice for insurance for physicians in, in telehealth. And they wrote a teledental malpractice insurance policy for us so it is it is a an insurance company that we have a special policy with for tele, teledentistry malpractice insurance oh, okay. well, we're writing history every day around here but that was one of the the first to be written and, and um, it's now it's available when people are working with us through teledentistry thank you mm -hmm. 
Thank you, Dr. Crusader. Um, I have Dr. Moore who has uh, given us a very long comment and I'd like to give her the mic if Dr. Moore is with us. Dr. Moore? Dr. Celeste Moore? Hi, I'm here. You have the mic. Oh, okay. Um, I've been working with the teledentist and at first, you know, when I did it, I thought, okay, so you're helping someone on an emergency basis is something that's, you know, you don't really talk to them very much, you don't interact really a whole lot, and then you realize when you start doing it that you are really becoming almost like a psychologist for <laughs> So they will tell you so many things, you know, I've talked to people about the COVID-19, what their families are doing, and so I think it makes a real comforting experience for people, and they tend to really open up with you, and they appreciate and they thank me so many times for just taking the time to talk to them and help them. And, you know, I always tell them if you have a problem, if something doesn't work out, you know, call back. Someone will help you. They'll either get me on the phone or someone else, another doctor will help you. But I have loved every single experience. Every call has been just great. And I just feel I get more interaction, personal interaction, sometimes just through doing this than I do in the office, because I think people are a little more fearful in the office when they come in, you know, they're, they come in for this emergency and they don't want to be there and they're scared of you, but they're not so scared of you in a call, in a video, and they just, and they're at home. So they feel, I think, just more relaxed. I love it. It's great. <laughs> That's a lot of hope. Thank you, Dr. Moore. <laughs> we need this now, right? <laughs> we need yeah, some hope. I know. And I think we're very supportive, you know, of these people. There's so many things going on, and it's not just dentistry. You know, they're opening up to someone they're scared of during a time that they're, you know, they're fearful of. So it's interesting to be able to talk to people on that level. And I, in my experience as a dentist, I've learned just over time that everybody has a story and I think that a lot of patients look at us as doctors and that you know our lives are perfect and everything goes great all the time and I've found that if you find a connection with a patient and and you can tell a little bit about yourself they will open up more and more to you so it, it, I think it really helps them a lot to not have so many fears and I'm hoping that in talking to people that way that we can send them to a dentist and they'll feel more comfortable and they'll follow through with doing their treatment. That's like us. We need somebody like Dr. Moore to come and speak on the Canadian board so they understand that the dentistry is more human than ever. It is. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Thank you, Dr. Moore. Let's keep in contact because I think we need more of your testimonial. <laughs> Just to tell everyone over here, this is a little bigger than what we thought. Um, I'm going to give the mic now to somebody from Peru, Dr. Julio Rafanaji. Julio, are you, are you with us? Dr. Julio? Dr. Bach, how are you yes. doing? I'm great, thank you. You thank have you the mic. Much. Yeah, uh, I've, been, I've been listening uh, to all the participants over here. and. I'm very concerned about, uh, uh, I understand that we have to use teledentistry mixed with all our um, office work. And we have to also, um, uh, we have uh, in the evolution of teledentistry, it's gonna be 
part of the treatment planning must be done by teledentistry. So what we have is uh, we have to, um, in the evolution of teledentistry, we are going to use some tools like AI and maybe uh, it will help us a lot in the treatment planning of our patients, our regular patients. So what do you think about the, the, the use of artificial intelligence using in our planning and the use it's gonna uh, we are gonna have of that in teledentistry like and they are doing like well like invisalign that we have a projection of the treatment in the future and so that's the way it's it's working right now what do you think about a regular and a general dentist how it's gonna uh, impact in our uh, treatment planning and it can be inserted in the in the teledentistry field. I would love to speak to that because I've enjoyed talking to some AI um, researchers. And when they talk about looking even at bite wing X-rays, and they say that twenty to forty percent of items are missed by you know your by the dentist. You know when you think about even just twenty percent of things missed by a dentist. If you're tired, you're distracted. I am a I'm a general dentist as well, so I, I know that you know the, how the days go. So the, if with AI, they get a standardized report, having fed thousands, millions of data points into these machines that can actually read bite wings, uh, not and not be tired because it's a computer. So I think that AI will actually improve our quality of care, improve our diagnostics. We don't have to say I see a cavity here. It's well the you know, here's your report that says you need these fillings, you need you have a, a pocket here, and that the computer has actually told uh, the dentist and the patient, and then the dentist can develop the treatment plan. We're not taking away treatment planning from dentists, but we are improving their diagnostic image of what the patient's actual, um, you know, diagnosis is by, with AI, and I think that is a great adjunct, and I definitely think at some point we will all be feeding our x-rays into um, AI and getting a report out of what is actually seen by the computer that we might not have seen, and I think that will improve patient care and increase our revenues as well. And one of the great uses of AI, and this comes out of the um, radiology world, would be for quality assurance after the fact to see if something was missed and the ability to then call a patient back in because the AI has identified something that hadn't been uh, you know, seen in that initial exam. And even if that's done 24, 48 hours later, you're providing a tremendous additional service uh, you know, by being able to say, you know, we're sending every one of our exams through a uh, you know, through an AI program and if we miss something, we'll let you know. Well, the other, the other thing is that with the cloud and 5G and the ability to very quickly get two-way information going on things like radiographic images or other types of diagnostic tests, is that you can just immediately use it. There isn't a long way of the report that's going to come because if it's an AI report, of course, it's going to happen in milliseconds, so to speak. And so I think that's going to be a, a wonderful, I'm actually quite uh, 
the Invisalign company now is quite involved with artificial intelligence using its 8 million patient base database to treatment plan and uh, you know to to the doctors guidelines and so I think that's going to really when I think of the days of when you had to do all the diagnostic things yourself and now things like setups of the teeth and so forth they're just a push button away I, I think it's it's AI and new tools these new electronic tools coming is going to make us be able to work in an environment where things happen very very quickly that used to take a lot more time i'm going to pass down the mic to dr sundes jamil dr jamil are you very much dr jamil Hello. yes do you hear me yes yeah yeah the mic yeah thank you so yeah, I think it's a, such a great tool for uh, this time of the emergency COVID-19. We are actually using it and Toronto Public Health as a means, you know, to help people who are having problems that need to be solved without the need to leave their house. For seniors, it's, it's such a big help, you know. And as it was mentioned, you know, sometimes they will have to, you will have to listen to them for a longer time. And it makes a lot of big difference when you hear them and try to give them some suggestions and they really appreciate what we're doing and um, we can see the you know they understand and they cooperate as as much as they can just a quick comment there right now our um average set session length is in the five to six minute range. We certainly have the occasional um, need to, uh, you know, to stay beyond that. But, you know, if you think about how much time you're actually spending in the chair with a patient, uh, but, you know, just now we're, you know, where we're really developing a, a pretty good database of experience, um, uh, you know, five, six, seven minute session length, and also five, six, seven minute wait time and again, you know, compare that to what somebody would be experiencing, even in terms of travel time or sitting in a, uh, you know, in, in, a, in a doctor's office, it, it's really, uh, you know, cutting down on both of those numbers. Thank you, Mr. Reese. Dr. Dominica, you sit with us, you are strangely quiet. <laughs> no, I am, I'm still, I'm still with you all. <laughs> I'm gonna pass down the mic to Dr. Lorenz Sylvain. Dr. Sylvain, are you with us? Dr. Sylvain? Dr. Lorenz Sylvain? Don't mute. Okay. I'm gonna... um, the next person was Dr. Richard Simpson. Is Dr. Simpson with us? Dr. Simpson? Unmute your microphones, Dr. Sylvain and Simpson. How about Richard, now? There you go. Yeah, we can hear you. Dr. Simpson, you have the microphone. Hey, thank you so much for the opportunity. Um, I'm Rick Simpson. I'm actually uh, on the advisory board of the Teledentist. Um, tremendous honor for that. And uh, like Paul, I'm a, a pediatric dentist. And Maria and I have actually had a couple of discussions about how 
uh, teledentistry is so particularly suited to pediatric dentistry, um, particularly when we're, we're, we're looking at, for instance, what in, our, in the U.S. was the D0140 code or problem focused. Uh, between my partner and I and our two offices, easily 10 to 14 patients a day are scheduled with what the parent is concerned about that oftentimes is not an emergency, whether it's a, you know, pain from an erupting tooth or an over-retained baby tooth or uh, an unusual position of a tooth or discolored uh, uh, primary tooth due to uh, past trauma, a whole variety of things that can easily be managed uh, in a teledentistry format and platform. And particularly as we look at these next few months and trying to um, you know, ramp up being back into the dental office, um, this can be particularly advantageous. So to your question of can we use this now, you know, as we start to look at opening our offices soon, 50% uh, of our practice is Medicaid. And so, uh, first of all, in pediatrics, you've got a child, but they're obviously bringing at least one parent. Quite often, there'll be additional siblings that don't have home care. So you may have one quote-unquote emergency patient coming in, but you may have four or five people coming into the office. So if you're looking at trying to maintain social distancing, trying to maintain patient flow uh, in a controllable manner and reducing the number of people that are leaving their homes, this platform is ideal over the next few months. Thank you, but you have the chance that in the United States, you can use it right away. Now you're looking at two Canadians looking at this is a cheese. How can we get into this? <laughs> I've spoken to groups that are up in the provinces in, in Canada and they're using telemedicine um, obviously because there's no doctor uh, in some of the Canadian provinces as well and, and I, I am a firm believer if a, a healthcare system will accept telemedicine teledentistry is a logical next step because as, as Howard said we are a specialty of healthcare so um, in, in health insurances that provide telemedicine consults, teledentistry consults are just a logical next step, as well as, you know, provinces that are, are using telehealth for their, you know, their population. Teledentistry is a logical step. I mean, it's, it's not even an, a new idea or a new step. It's just another specialty being added. Also for orthodontic, uh, you know, watching kids grow and, you know, whether they're ready to come in to see us. We should be do, uh, doing a lot of those uh, with, with this platform rather than having them have to come in. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So uh, I, I have a question here and I'm addressing all the Americans on board. How do you think that this will affect, since we're still in pause, how do you think that dentistry will be taking market care within the next few months? Over the next few weeks, and I have to ask: Will this replace dentists at some point? I see it as only enhancing the dental practice. Our goal, our goal, is to put patients in dental homes. I mean, people that contact us may not have seen a dentist for three or four years. So it's educating the patient, helping them understand what they need to have done, and putting them in a dental home to be treated. I think we're going to the profession with my you know with my goals there won't be enough dentists to work you know as, as as neil said we need to get retired dentists to do the teledentistry and, and once we get back to after covid uh dental practices 
you know, we intend to put as many people in dental offices instead of emergency rooms, instead of urgent cares, get them triaged to a dental office and to actually understand that they need to have this, you know, kind of work taken care of at a dental home. So I think that we will not replace, we'll enhance the profession a lot by getting the patients into a dental office. That's our goal. Thank you, Dr. Maria. Anybody else would like to uh, add on this topic? What are you thinking? I have Dr. Nelson Allen who would like to speak. Dr. Nelson? Dr. Nelson Allen? Do you hear me? Yeah, I hear you. I wasn't really trying to speak. I just had a question because Dr. Simpson, I'm, I'm a pediatric dentist as well as an orthodontist. and uh, Dr. Simpson was saying that he uses teledentistry to, um, uh, I, I guess, filter through the uh, emergencies. And I, I mean, I, number one, it, this is fascinating. I think it's fantastic. And I really want to incorporate it into my office. Uh, what I'm thinking about is how can I add it to, you know, maybe my website so that we can, um, you know, the, my patients can click on it and then I can uh, communicate with them, especially during this time. I get phone calls every day uh, for emergencies now. And what I'm doing now is I'm paying um, for my um, practice administrator, my manager, to answer the phone calls. And then she basically triages it to me. And, um, and then I handle it that way. And I have been using teledentistry basically with a phone call back to the patients and then calling in prescriptions. Or I did have to come in the other day because uh, a space maintainer was buried into the gingiva and, and it was really bothering the patient. And so I, I took care of that. But, um, you know, I just, I guess want to know how to get involved and how to maybe incorporate it into my website so that I can utilize the service and, and go from there. But I thought that was a great idea that Dr. Uh, Simpson was saying that because so many times I get over-retained teeth or erupting uh, six-year molars that it's like, hey, we really don't have to come in right now, but I, I usually try to handle it over the phone, but to have a video component would be advantageous. That's all. Yeah, and this, this is Rick. We're um, currently doing everything like that over the phone uh, and FaceTime primarily, um, and we're able to do that currently because of the, the HIPAA waivers that are in place, and I actually was uh, a participant in leading the effort in getting Medicaid, uh, our CHIP program, and Blue Cross uh, Blue Shield here working with Alabama Dental Association to pay for that. And our argument was that we should be on parity with medicine uh, because we are trying to accomplish the same thing, address problems um, and keep people at home. Um, so we you know, made announcements on our Facebook page and on our website that we were offering these teledentistry services. Um, and yes, we're doing the same thing where they're processing the calls uh, through our management uh, and call center and then getting the, you know, the information to us and we have, you know, an informed consent that we do with them and that sort of thing. Um, but in regards to how to implement that into your office as you get back, I think Maria uh, is going to be the key person to talk to about that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we have a program that as, as all of us spend thousands of dollars getting our SEOs going, our search engine optimization, our web, websites developed to be beautiful and, and wonderful. And do you know the average dental office is only open 37% of the time during a week? 
when you think about it, you're not open weekends. You're, you know, you leave the office at five o'clock. And so third, the rest of the time that you, someone's not in the office, your SEOs have driven patients to your fabulous website and there's nobody there to answer or nobody there to take the call. So um, having a, a, a link on there, talk to the dentist now, click here and being able to schedule and, and not go just, if, if they don't get to somebody in your office from your website, they're gonna go to the next organic uh, website and, and keep going until they can actually get somebody to answer their questions or address their needs. So um, we can indeed put a link on there. You can indeed take calls or, and they can also make an appointment to talk with you from that link, talk to your dentist at, you know, nine o'clock tomorrow morning or six o'clock tonight, and and actually be proactive with your patients uh, with teledentistry. My favorite with pediatrics is that the parents take off half a day of work, drag the child out of school, run into the office, put the child in the chair, and go, "Is this tooth supposed to be loose? I thought they lost all their baby teeth." Now, how many of you guys have not had that happen? And you just go, "All the productive time at lost at work and the child at school." And that is something that could have been, yes, that is a normal erupting baby tooth and the child's going to be fine. And that could have been done at home in the evening or after school hours and saved your, you know, all, all that loss of production and education by simply doing a virtual consult for pediatrics. So it, it definitely is an effective tool for a lot of issues with pediatrics as well. Thank you, Dr. Maria. I'd like to pass on the mic now to Dr. Sumara Rashid. Hi, um, thank you for taking my call. Um, I, my main question was, I think, first of all, I'm a big fan of teledentistry. Uh, can you guys hear me? Mm -hmm. Yes. I'm a big fan of uh, teledentistry. I think it's awesome. Uh, a lot of my colleagues um, that don't have a practice, and forgive me if this question was already asked, um, a lot of the colleagues that I know, they don't have their own practice. So they're very much interested in this teledentistry uh, field. Uh, the only problem is uh, there's many states, well, rather one in particular that I knew of, um, there are some states out there that say, that say that it's not allowed if you don't have an established practice and if you don't have a doctor-patient relationship in that practice. So they're only allowing, you know, that type of teledentistry remotely. So, you know, it's, it's very annoying to hear that because I'm like in this day and age and I'm not updated post this whole pandemic that has happened. But can anybody just kind of enlighten me or give me some hope in regards to having that unanimously, at least in the United States? We operate like a DSO, <clears throat> excuse me. So we have corporations in every state and the patient that comes into our teledentist platform is a patient of the teledentist of Missouri, of New York. So they are an established patient and we have a medical history on them and a dental complaint and, and, and we actually establish a record that's stored in the cloud. So we, we actually have um, addressed this as a telehealth company um, so that we establish the patient as a patient of the DSO of that state. So patient, uh, de dentists that work with us um, are, are actually on call to treat patients of our teledental practice. So it, it is set up to comply with all the dental practice laws of most states except Texas and Maine. And Texas was supposed to decide today and I did the call blew up um, too many people trying to get in. So um, we're, we're trying to have, you know, make sure that the states come up to date with their regulations of defining what teledentistry is in patient doctor 
relationships, and we are complying with all those regulations. And there's two states right now that we just don't go into, and it's Texas and Maine. Thank you for that. Thank Maine, you. Colin. <laughs> Colin, we need your support. Um, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Dr. Fo, you have been very patient. I'm going to start speaking in English first, but Dr. Fo, you've been very patient. You are a guest from abroad. I'd like to, to know, based on the light of what you heard today, or what you, you understood, will you push for Trinity in France? Dr. Fo, Mère Fo, j'aimerais vous remercier de votre patience. Vous êtes un, un invité d'honneur qui vient de notre océan. Et on aimerait savoir, avec, à la lumière de ce que vous avez entendu aujourd'hui, Est-ce que vous êtes convaincu de cette technologie? Est-ce que vous allez la pousser en France? Oui, moi je suis convaincu et je pense que les autorités seront convaincues également. Euh, le Covid, le virus, euh, n'a quasiment que des désavantages, mais un des seuls avantages qui montré cette crise, c'est que la télédentisterie devait être un élément important de l'avenir. Euh, actuellement en France, tous les cabinets dentaires sont fermés. S'il y avait la télédentisterie, c'est sûr que les choses, que la santé publique dentaire irait beaucoup mieux que euh, ce qui se passe actuellement chez nous. Donc, je pense qu'il y a un incontournable pour les années à venir. Ça, c'est sûr. J'en suis sûr. Merci beaucoup, Dr. Faux. Merci à vous. Um... Absolutely, he'd be uh, pushing for this. He, that might take time, but uh, this is uh, a tool of the future. And if the tool was available today, the solution in France would be better when we talk about dental health. This is the, uh, the answer of Dr. Fo. And just to remind you that Dr. Fo is also a mayor of uh, his village over there. So he knows how the lawmakers think and he's part of the power. And by the way, I have to ask, how did you get elected as a dentist <laughs> to become mayor? This is a mission possible. En français, donc, comment vous avez fait pour vous faire élire mère étant dentiste? Ça, c'est un secret qu'on peut savoir. Ah, comment j'ai fait? Et parce que les gens de mon village, de mon gros village, de mon gros village, m'aiment bien. Et puis parce que je leur ai rendu beaucoup de services, parce que je m'occupe bien de la commune. Puis vous savez, chez nous, comment dire, les dentistes, Je ne dis pas que, que ça soit le cas en Amérique du Nord, mais les dentistes n'ont pas du tout une mauvaise réputation. Hein. Il ne faut Donc, pas avoir fait mal à trop de gens. Comment Il ne faut pas avoir fait mal à trop de gens en arrachant les dents. Ah oui, il faut faire attention. Il faut faire attention. <rire> Et on dit que le menteur comme un arracheur de dents, c'est une expression française. Mais après, vous savez... Ouais, ici, on dit ça des politiciens aussi, alors c'est... Ah, donc, c'est compliqué. Voilà. Ce qui veut dire que, qu'en pratique, si on fait preuve de... Comme dans le métier, dans vos métiers à tous, hein, si on fait preuve de beaucoup d'humanisme et si on a la profonde volonté de vouloir soigner les gens ou de vouloir s'occuper des gens en tant que mère, vous savez, il n'y a pas trop de difficultés par les temps qui courent. Il n'y a pas trop de difficultés. Voilà, donc être élu mère ou, ou réussir sa petite carrière de dentiste, c'est quelque chose qui est à la portée de nous tous. C'est pour ça que nous sommes là. Et c'est parce que je sais que vous avez tous la profonde volonté de soigner les gens. Voilà, et ça, c'est important. Merci, le in short, in English, what he's saying is he's been a human and in France over there, dentist doesn't have 
as that or a bad reputation as we have. So uh, this is for me, but if Tilted Street can help us become more human, we might have other job waiting for us after this. <laughs> um, we have 50 minutes left. I think that I went through most of the questions. I would like to, uh, to summarize this with all the speaker. And again, thank you for taking the time to share here with us. Um, if I would like each and any one of you to close with a call to action, what would that be? I would like to start with Dr. Bo. Dr. Robert, Bo? Um, well, my message in, in summary is to become aware of what's available. That's the first thing. So this, this session, I think, was extremely valuable for that. And then to follow up, and of course, we have the internet, so we're very lucky. We can go many different directions. But I think depending on the nature of, of the work that you do, I spoke, of course, about an orthodontic practice today. And I think I tried to make the point that it would be very exciting to have uh, a practice where a patient could explore their treatment result before they even see you and then uh, have a virtual examination consultation and then perhaps come in for a scanning and maybe a, a cone beam and that would be the only visit and then the doctor would present the treatment plan remotely and then the patient would approve that they would like to be on remote monitoring and then they would be using their camera to take pictures during treatment to tell the doctor how they're tracking. And so uh, this is how the treatment would go. And the advantage, of course, is that everything we've mentioned today about patients like this kind of thing because they think it's very efficient. And in the post-COVID uh, virus situation, I think that these kinds of experiences are going to be actually preferred. So we're going to very quickly go into an environment where if we can offer this kind of thing, patients are going to readily accept it. So it's the old story. The patients will de demand this type of thing. So the doctors have to get going and do it. Thank you, Dr. Boy. Um, Dr. Dominique, you've been, uh, again, quiet. I'd like, you, uh, I'd like to hear from you, Dr. Paul Dominique. Well, I just think, you know, um, just to piggyback what uh, Dr. Boyd is saying is we got to do this. We really got to come together as a profession. This is a complex uh, problem. We got to solve it. We definitely can. Um, we're going to need, um, you know, big money. To, to tackle a lot of these issues. Um, one of my fears is that, you know, one day COVID-19 is going to be, you know, in memory and we go back to the, the, the days of the past. And I just feel, you know, the, the current model is broken. It's, it's not, it's only ad addressing a certain uh, percentage of the population, leaving a, a large percentage of people just uh, um, not able to access dental care. 
I think that we, we, we still have to talk, Dr. Dominic. There's a lot Absolutely. of people. <laughs> Thank you for your hope. But what's your call to action? If you need people here to mobilize, what do you want them to do? Well, we need to, first of all, most important, you know, elevate our level of awareness, our consciousness to what the future could be. I think we need to think bold. Um, you know, we, we're living in the age of big data and we have seen some, some corporations innovative corporations out there tackle some really uh, difficult issues. And I, I think we need to bring this innovation into, into dentistry and have that mentality. Thank you. Um, I'm going to help a little bit here. Our guest from Canada, I say guest, I'm from Canada too. But I think that the potion has spoken and uh, based on the, uh, the commander of our colleague from France said that we don't have that a good reputation and we are expensive. In the United States, half the potion didn't see a dentist for the last uh, few months. Uh, Dr. Lacoste, this question is you because you're a community leader. What would be in your hands the tool of the three dentistry to just push our profession further and better? Well, first and foremost, I think uh, it, it should be a tool uh, that should be emphasized to promote communication and accessibility. I think those are the first two things. Uh, uh, even if we're, we're talking about, you know, uh, uh, extreme um, or great uh, technological advances, uh, which is uh, what intelligence you represent, I think from, from the very first hand, we need to be able to, to uh, establish some sort of, of strong relationship. And, and, and some of the panelists and, and uh, other intervention went that way as well. And they said, you know, we've been doing uh, 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 remote consultations and, and we've had patients starting to, to confine more or, or to be more open because they, they're in an environment where they're not threatened because they're not scared of the, of the office. So I think that's where it's, everything is going to start with that because uh, before everything else, we are healthcare professionals and, 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 and our main focus and concern should be about health. So if we're able to establish good, good communication and more accessibility, then we can introduce, uh, uh, you know, uh, um, either the, those patients who will have to come in, those patients who won't have to come in, those patients who don't have to come in, while well, they still have access in case their situation evolves. And that's another great thing about, about this whole topic. So I think that's really what we should promote, uh, especially during the COVID era uh, time where access seems to be more, especially in Canada, seems to be very complicated. I mean, uh, some patients are, are complaining to the professional orders that they cannot reach their dentist. And, and, and that's, that's kind of doesn't work because we have the technology to do so. So that's really my first point. And then from there, uh, we can improve further into, into, uh, into digitalized uh, care. Thank you, Doug. But this is your spot and this is your chance. Do you have a call to action so people can start hearing your message? I know you have one. <laughs> uh, me again? Yes, like us. Oh, sorry. You summarize the whole thing, but do you have a call to action for the people listening to us right now? Well, I think, I mean, there's no reason to be, to be waiting on this. There's no reason not to be, uh, uh, not to be acting on this. Uh, uh, committees should be formed. They should be formed. They could be formed very quickly. And, and, and we can have, uh, you know, say, uh, guidelines that can make this thing available uh, within the end of next week. Really. Thank you, Dr. Lacos. Dr. Wallet, I know you're burning to talk. <laughs> <laughs> you only gave me about, you know, three minutes here. <laughs> um, 
uh, the California, the state of California and the ADA have come out with some uh, guidelines for teledentistry. And I think we could you know, look at the states that have come out uh, with those. I think even in Georgia, we have uh, some guidelines now. And maybe just uh, band together and petition uh, who regulates us that, hey, we have got to do something because, you know, it's the, the financial atmosphere out there is uh, very bad for all the offices and, uh, and get the regulations. Uh, you know, so they'll allow us to do this maybe across state lines uh, and just work together as, as a profession. I learned so much today from uh, everybody's. Thank you so much for including me and uh, the questions were awesome. I've gotten so many ideas. I've got to go write down all these things because I don't have a long-term memory. <laughs> <laughs> so more than to yourself, Doc, what is your call to action for the public? <laughs> for the for public? All the listening to us. Uh-huh. Oh, well, just, uh, you know, uh, before you have a toothache or a swollen face, you know, you need to uh, establish uh, a virtual uh, consultation with your dentist. And there's so many uh, platforms out there now. And um, Howard and Maria, you guys are like pioneers out there for years doing this. So I know you'll help lead us. Thank you, Dr. Wallet. Dr. Kunstader, um, <laughs> what, would you, what would be your hope and your call to action? Well, I, I find it fabulously sad that it took a pandemic for the dental community on a federal and a state level to say, we should take care of our patients. Hmm. So why can't we, now that we've had this broad sweeping, yes, we should be able to take care of more patients and we should all work together for the patient's well-being. My mandate is let's continue this on and make, you know, change regulations, make regulations so that patients can receive uh, virtual care. And, and, and again, the virtual companies work with the, the entire dental community so that we can deliver more access to oral health care to more patients. Uh, and continue the pandemic uh, mindset of all working together for the patient's benefit. Mm -hmm. That's that's my mandate. Do you have a call to action for the dentist listening to us right now? Get on all your dental boards and make sure that they have they take these actions that were taken federally and 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 covidly and and get them instituted on a on a state by state level. In, Actually, you know, this is in, all you have to do is to share the link. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. You won't even have to fight. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Mr. Rees, what would be your hope and call to action? Howard? He might have moved on. We have a big conference at 2 o'clock with one of our big customers, so he might have moved on. <laughs> he might be talking to them right now. What's <laughs> Mais on l'a dit, je pense, la télédentisterie est primordiale. Est primordiale parce qu'on parce que n'y avait pas pensé, en fait, là aussi. Et la pandémie du, du coronavirus nous, nous ouvre les yeux et nous montre que finalement, on peut faire de la dentisterie sans se retrouver forcément dans, dans nos cabinets. Et donc, je souhaite, moi, que ce soit quelque chose qui, qui se développe et qui se développe très rapidement. Voilà, c'est une priorité. Merci. Juste pour vous dire, Monsieur le maire, vous avez des amis de ce côté-ci d'Océan, vous avez des gens d'expérience. Euh, vous avez besoin d'aide, faites-nous signe. Je crois que tous les gens ici sont prêts à vous aider, autant les panélistes que les gens du public. 
in English. Um, Merci. Speaking in Merci. He's looking forward, Dr. Fo is looking forward to, to this technology. And I answer in all our names that he has friends now on this side of the, the ocean. He just have to, uh, to tell us what he needs and we'd be happy to, uh, to help push this as soon as uh, Dr. Lacoste and I can get pushed this in the Canada. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, for all of those who um, are with us and are staying until the end, I have um, some gifts. Two surprises and a gift. The first one is we started this about um, three weeks ago. And I say we, I started by myself, then Dr. Wallet, Dr. Lacos, jump on board a few hours later. And we have, we've been a crazy band of people just trying to, to move forward. And today is the proof that just being open and reach out can, can, can work. You know, I think that for the first time in history, all our interests are aligned. And it's time to stop competing against each other and stop start collaborating. So I'm gonna add on the chat a link to a Spotify. Mainly, this is all the interviews I've been I've done, and there's no editing from the beginning of this journey. And you all see the uh, what's led to this. And also, um, we started this with some promise, telling that we be looking for solutions. On the Spotify link, you have uh, the feed of what's been going on and all the panelists have the interview with me over there. But uh, this is always phase one. This is the first initiative. We have two more to announce to you by next week. And if you allow me, I would like to close this, sharing my screen. And here it is. Time is the essence here. So we want to share with you as soon as we know how to just win through this crisis. Two weeks ago, I started a crazy challenge with somebody I just met through the internet, Dr. Eric Lacoste. We challenge each other to make a difference and then we say, why not write a book about it? The minute I said it, I start regretting it. I'm a man of my word. So is he. It's been two weeks. Can you imagine that by now you can find a book on Apple Books? Here it is. 34,000 words. By the first chapter of this book, I wrote everything I had in mind. Then uh, I have to swim a little bit and by halfway through the book, I had to provoke things in my life for this to happen. What do you have to gain from the aftermath? Aftermath, it's a way of leveraging on the great pause that we had. The opportunity that we had to just reflect on who we are, where we're going, and how we can solve a crisis, but also build better, build broader, build taller. We want justice, not leaving anyone behind. This is Dr. Eric's part. Because he challenged me, I brought my best into this. I'm creative and I'm smart. I'm ambitious. I put everything as a leverage in the service of philanthropy, in the service of society. We had so much fun just throwing back and forth the ball. Everything you'll be reading in the book, we've done it. Or we die trying. <laughs> For the first time in history, all interests align. So within that spirit, we share with you our edges, our intelligence, 
mainly what we have found to go further within this crisis. The digital copy for the time of the crisis, for the time of the great pause, will be free to be downloaded on Apple. Look for it, Aftermath, Business After COVID-19. Wednesday, April 22nd, you'll be hearing from Dr. Eric Lacoste himself. Our adventure, our journey to this book, what it make us do, how that happened, where we're going as a profession, as a society. I will say that I am proud that we open up and now that the future is within reach. I'm Dr. Back. Welcome to the office. Hi, Dr. Back. First a crisis, then a pause. And then I refused to lay down and just to wait. So I started to reach out. We did connect with great people coming together to solve the crisis of our industry, the dental industry. We brought on board a few solutions. We saw the first one, the dentistry. It is my privilege and honor to announce to you that we'll be resuming. You saw the aftermath. You started thinking how to move ahead with this, how to not lose, but to leverage instead doing good, playing a part in society, more than what is expected from us. But today, I have the privilege and honor to share the screen back with two of my new best friends, new farm friends, I never met them in real life. Dr. Paul Wallet, top 100 dentist in the world. He's been recognized for his forward thinking, for what he's doing for this profession, and he's doing it right now. Dr. Eric Lacoste, a community leader, a great friend. I will say that I am proud that we open up and together we went so far outside the box. We don't even see the box anymore. I have to tell you how much fun we have. Just <laughs> getting together and scratching our heads, saying, how can we solve this? We refuse to lose. This one is a huge one. It's called the Wet Initiative. It is a solution that you don't want to miss. It will bring all of you back in your clinics by May with patients. Also, it will just solve most of your PR problem. No spoiler, I won't say it. I won't say a word. It's not my secret to get away. But be with us. Trust me, you don't want to miss this one. The Wet Initiative, Friday, April 24th. Be with us. I'm Dr. Back. Welcome to the office. You know, Dr. Awesome. White and Dr. Lacoste never saw those. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be hard to live up to that. <laughs> next, next one, you're the one speaking about the World Initiative. And to all the people still with us, you don't want to miss this. Trust us. We promise you concrete solution. The solutions are coming. Great. Amazing. In the name of everybody. I'd like to thank every single one of you, Dr. Fo, Dr. Wallet, Dr. Dominique, Dr. Boy, Dr. Lacoste, Dr. Kinsteyer, uh, I think uh, she left, and uh, Power Reese. This has been a pleasure. I hope, hopefully, I, I've been up to my task as host. 
<laughs> Indeed, you were. <laughs> I hope that this is just only a first and will not be the last. Um, if anybody would like to say something before I close. Just uh, thank you for hosting this. It was incredible. Yeah, I just wanted to thank you, Dr. Back. It's an uh, amazing initiative, uh, crazy ideas, but uh, that's how we, we uh, the first step of uh, trying to create sustainable change. Amazing. Congratulations. And you're bringing it all together, and this is what we need, and hopefully we can get some other people to join us and make some great changes for the future. This man call me his brother from another mother. <laughs> <laughs> So thank you everyone, Dr. Boy. I surely hope that we have the chance to collaborate again and to yes. other things. You bet you. Dominic, I know we're gonna get on another interview and you're gonna go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but well, yeah, you this need is a hook. It's the only thing right? you don't have is a hook. See, in the old days, in the stage, if somebody was talking too much, they had a long pole with a hook. <laughs> <laughs> somebody would reach out and all of a sudden you would be pulled away. <laughs> and uh, so that's the only tool that you need that you don't have yet. <laughs> A telepole, this is the next thing we have to invent. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Faux, j'espère que vous avez apprécié. Et euh, tous ces gens ici sont maintenant vos amis. Vous avez besoin d'être euh, nord-américaine. Elle est juste à un, coup de, un clic. <rire> on appelle un clic. Bon, merci à vous tous et à très bientôt. Merci, Tafo. Merci. D'accord, j'arrête l'enregistrement maintenant.